Hello, and welcome to the Gaming Cog Podcast, where we beat games old and new, then analyze them here on the show. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Christian. Hello. And today, we are going to talk about Resident Evil 1 on the GameCube. Um, yeah, so technically the remake. Yeah, the remake. Um, came out in 2002, as opposed to 1996, when the first one came out. Uh, pretty big improvements, I would say, uh, graphics-wise, and they added in a good bit of uh, different gameplay that we'll get into. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, like, there's pluses and minuses coming from. Well, you've never beat the original, right? Like the no, original, I, original I, back on the PlayStation. No, I only watched uh, some YouTube videos. Yeah, of it. see, I, I've played the original personally, and I even beat it, but it was so long ago. It's not like I remember all the details. But I will say that there were some things I actually liked better about the original than the than the remake here. Yeah, what but, was yeah. that? Because I couldn't see very many redeeming qualities. As someone who uh, was born in 1999, so I definitely <laughs> did not grow up with the games like you did. Um, well, I mean, so yeah, like, what, what did you prefer? It was like, in the original, again, so this was a long time ago, so, you know, I probably have some details wrong and whatnot. But I just feel like the overall design of the game was more... I can't think of the right word for it, but it was just more streamlined almost. There was less going out of your way for things, I feel like, than in the remake. Because in the remake, they just they switched around all of the puzzles with the layout of things. And I feel like you did a lot more running around back and forth than you really needed yeah, to. And maybe that's just yeah. because I didn't know the game as well. But I kind of like just the feel, the flow of the original more than I did the the remake here. Yeah, and I feel like uh, you shouldn't make a game in hopes that someone has played it before so they would know what to do. Uh, yeah, honestly. As, like, as a first-time player of the Resident Evil series, like, at all, uh, before this, I've seen a little bit of gameplay, and I watched, I did watch a playthrough of Resident Evil uh, 2, the remake, that came mm -hmm. out a few years ago, or, what, two years ago? And I, I, uh, <clears throat> I saw Resident Evil 7 get played through, but, like, the earlier games, I really had no idea what was going on. And, yeah, it's... Uh, it's quite backtracky, cluttered, and a lot of the design choices are questionable about where, like the layouts. I get it's a remake, so I they so were they wanted change to change it things. up a little bit. Yeah, they wanted it to be different and new. Not yeah, the but same they weren't going to change game. like the exact layouts of everything. But a lot of this extra stuff they added uh, increased the game by what about four hours? I would say roughly, give hours. or take. Yeah, at least for a and new I, player. Yeah, I just. I don't know if it was worth it so now from what i read uh like the lisa stuff uh so there's this creature yeah so so to the plot quickly because uh we kind of completely glanced over here yeah we did but the plot quickly <laughs> for anybody who, who hasn't played the game um you are a member of stars you can pick one of two characters chris or jill and uh you are a member of stars which is this elite uh, police unit basically and you are sent to a what is it? mansion special tactics and investigations and, and uh reconnaissance no i don't remember exactly what it stands for i'm sure we something can look that along up real those quick. lines but yeah regardless you are sent to this mansion because there's some weird going ons and some attacks that have been reported in the area around a city called raccoon city so you are on the outskirts visiting this mansion as one of the two elite police officers making your way through to discover well, what's going on and obviously i mean i'm sure everybody out there knows at least a little bit about resident evil the problem ends up being fucking zombies of course <laughs> uh, so you get in it, there's this whole intro thing i think you wanted to talk about that a little bit go ahead tell, tell oh, them about that. that that beautiful intro to the game 
The great cinematic. So yeah, so uh, so you're alpha team, and what is it, beta team or Bravo? I honestly team. Bravo, don't remember. Bravo, Bravo, probably, yeah, not yeah beta. Bravo <laughs> team was uh was sent first. So you're actually looking for Bravo team, which you do run into a few of their members. So yeah, you land you land on the outskirts, you and your very nineties esque cast of characters. Um, yeah, I don't think a pod like talking about it can do it justice. So look it up on YouTube if you haven't played the game. Actually, look up the original one. Did you have you seen the original opening cinematic? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I, I beat it back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, you so played I saw it. it. Do you remember it though? A little bit, yeah. I mean, from what I remember, it wasn't a whole lot different. But what I will say, oh. the voice acting was so bad in the original. In, in the original? Yes. yes which is in the saying original. something because the remake's voice acting is god-awful. Yes. That's uh, Honest to God, that's one of my notes here that I have on the game. Voice acting is still cringe as fuck. That's the exactly <laughs> what I wrote down because... It is hilarious, but it's one of the things that I actually liked more about the original was that it was so bad back then that it was laughable. It was like a terrible B-horror movie, but even worse. This game, it's like they tried to do decent, they tried to do good, but it still just came out bad. So I actually kind of preferred the original even worse voice acting just because it was laughable. Yeah, yeah, from what I've read on forums and whatnot, yeah, it's... It's not meant... Well, I mean, it was probably meant to be taken, like, seriously, but a lot of people don't. Um, no. Yeah, the opening is uh, live-action, as a lot of late 90s games were. Um, Them FMVs. Um. FMV, yeah. So it's, like, shitty quality. So bad. Um, it was actually filmed in Japan. They got a few American actors, or aspiring actors, because yeah. I don't think they <laughs> went very far in their career after that. Uh and yeah, it's just awful, dude. It's like a Steven Seagal movie, action level movie. Uh, <laughs> and they have they have like an opening, like a Saturday morning cartoon where they like turn around to the camera and face it, and it does this like still of them and pops up their name with some like cringy oh, yeah. ass voiceover saying it. It's, it's bad. Mint. It's fucking mint. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. If. Yeah. We'll move past that because that just makes me hurt a lot. Uh. See, I love it. I think it's one of the redeeming qualities was how bad it was. Um, in the newer games, I mean, it's not as bad. It's not as cringe, but it's still pretty fucking bad. Let's be honest. I would like to... But, now, I don't want to dive in because we're both playing through Resident Evil 2, which will be the next podcast that yeah, we record. Yeah. Uh, and this will be my only note about the game is that even though it came out in 1998, so four years before this remake, mm-hmm. it's probably on par if not better than the remake's dialogue just not even the dialogue because i know the dialogue's similar if not the same it's it's better though it's just the voice acting in general it is it's it's much Uh, better maybe even the writing but regardless um for for this game here though so yeah so you have the opening intro where basically the helicopter you're being brought in by helicopter to like uh, austin said here to uh find out what happened to bravo team and uh or are you alpha i don't know whatever semantics doesn't really it doesn't really matter so you're alpha team you're brought in you land uh you touch down from the helicopter you suddenly get attacked by these demonic looking zombie dogs i believe they call them hellhounds where you're Uh, basically cerberus Cerberus, whatever they are where you're forced into this mansion 
So you come in and then the story changes a little bit depending if you pick which character you pick. But honestly, it's not that much different for the two characters. Basically, at that point, you have to figure your way through a bunch of locked doors in the mansion. You make your way outside. You find somebody in the remake. This is exclusive to the remake. You find somebody called Lisa, who ends up being this girl who was experimented on for... Do you know how many years? Like, so the experiments happened in the late 60s. This game takes place when it came out originally 1998 so about yes. 30 years she was oh, a little girl when she when first, it first got started experimented yeah on, like 11 uh they were gonna experiment on her mom and her mom dies and her dad was actually the designer of the mansion yeah uh, and she is a i uh, i have this set to uh we, we can say the f-bomb she's a fucked up looking <laughs> creature uh yeah she really she's is a, a well and yeah. a big thing a big reason of why she looks so fucked up though is you guys should look up some pictures of her or something sometime but she wears the face of her mother over top of her own face and that's one of the reasons why she looks so fucked up i don't know if you read that little tidbit yeah and she game. uh she yeah and when her mom died uh like the caretakers and scientists and whatnot uh, a woman was sent in to look like her mom and she, I don't know if she fucking sniffed her out or something. She <laughs> realizes it's not her mom and kills her. Does she eat her or something disgusting? I, I don't, don't know. I'm not sure yet. <clears throat> she's uh, she's invincible, by the way, as well. So you yeah, run into you literally her cannot fucking kill her. Um, but uh, my original point when I brought her up, uh, they added her into the game in the remake because apparently uh, she has like a bigger part or a part in the later games and that helps connect them somehow uh i didn't See, I'm not really too much sure. into that because i'm not trying to spoil, want to spoil myself yourself yeah that's fair and i've never really played any of the later games yeah. in the series i only ever played the first beat the first and then played a little bit of the second so i'm not exactly sure how she ends up playing to all of it either i will say that having her and then like so when they added her they also added a whole new section to the game um where you go to her house um, on the outskirts of this mansion here. I will say it did help flesh out the area a little bit. And thankfully, that's one of the changes where, like, it's yeah. somewhere that you have to go, but you don't really have to go back there at any point. So I feel like that was actually one of the better additions yeah. to the game. Yeah, you only run in there. Uh... What was that? I was just saying, go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh. You uh yeah you only run in there twice um once to get is it the uh the thing to uh bring the water up it's like a crowbar, yeah the crank essentially crank, crank yeah yeah it's a crank uh, a square crank yeah you run in there and then when you leave towards one of the end game locations the caves uh you leave out through that entrance uh yeah the first time I played it honestly added a uh, a lot of like kind of horror atmosphere because it's it's her shack's like way away from the mansion it's kind of yeah. in the middle of nowhere i uh, i think you get to hear her like scream sound that she has before you enter so you're kind of on edge yeah and, and i think then you kind of hear like the jingling of her chains and shit because she has her hands are kind of shackled together so there yeah there's hints and that's actually one of the overall good points about this game or probably the whole series but this game especially i would say has great atmosphere um, they're really good at giving you hints. So the game has fixed camera angles, if you didn't already know. So there will a lot of times be zombies like hiding around corners and things like that from you. 
But one of the things this game does really well is if there are like Cerberus that are going to show up or something, you'll hear like them walking across the, the ground just out of view or you'll hear them like uh, barking or something before they end up coming into view and attacking you. And with Lisa, like he was saying, you hear her like scream or her chains rattling or something like that. And it really adds a lot to the atmosphere. That is one of the points I will give to to these early games, which may be just as good, if not better in the new ones. But I haven't played them. So, yeah, we'll get to those uh, one day. Someday. Um but yeah, the atmosphere I found uh, quite scary, especially my first playthrough. But I will say, because we both uh, we both did both characters, we played yeah. through them. I played Jill first, Christian played Chris. Yep. Um, my first playthrough, the atmosphere-wise, I mean, they hit the mark where I was I was quite scared of some areas, even you know, eighteen years later yeah. when the game <laughs> came out. It's not it's not as scary maybe in certain ways is more modern games but the atmosphere was definitely heavy i will say i didn't enjoy my first playthrough as much Same. Uh, pure, Same. for the pure fact that the puzzles in this game so it's quite puzzle heavy um, very yeah the puzzles in this game aren't difficult by any means it's the fact that the inventory system is a complete mess um mm-hmm. so jill has what eight slots six slots six eight slots or, okay i think it's eight because i think it's i think it is eight hold on i actually have the game up here so i will check chris real quick yeah chris has six so jill has eight yeah so even with jill <clears throat> um the game makes it difficult to complete puzzles because mm-hmm. normally you end up finding key items which this game has about 30 of um, before you ever need to use them but then sometimes you need to use them right then and there. You're getting chased by zombies. It's not in your inventory. And this game has select chests and safe rooms. Um, yes. Which there's only, what, two in the mansion? And they're on both opposite sides of the mansion. Yeah. Uh, and when you walk through a door, uh, even on the GameCube version, it takes about 10 seconds because yeah. <laughs> instead of like instantly loading it, which the GameCube was probably more than capable of, uh, it plays this door and opening animation which, which i get is original to the, the original game and adds a bit of atmosphere yes but there are about probably 20 doors in the mansion and you go through every single one of them at least twice it's um, certainly overdone yeah yeah it's very overdone <clears throat> and then the remake has this special addition added to it where one of the safe rooms you go through the door and the safe rooms right under a staircase Mm-hmm. So you go back through that door, which is a pretty hot, big hot spot. You go out through there a lot at that point in the game. Uh, and it warns you that the lock is about to break. Mm, so you can yes, go through it, yes. I think. You can go through it about two or three times, two. I think. Two times, finally, yeah. Finally, it breaks, and it forces you to have to go upstairs and work All your the way, way around. About which, four or five doors. Honestly, now, it's generally easier to go through the top route. And I especially figured this out on my second playthrough. Because during your second playthrough, you know a lot more of what you're kind of doing. Um, so then I knew, like, where to go and where to stop, where to, you know, all that stuff, what to take where and things yeah. like that. It really, I never really needed to backtrack through that door more than I think once. So it was fine during your second playthrough. But as somebody the first time beating the game, or for me second time, but it's been so long that I forgot all the puzzles and shit. Um, it, it was really, it really was annoying to have to go all the way back around if I had to stop in one of those rooms that was on the other side of that door because the only way to get there was to like you were saying to go all the way upstairs through about three different rooms downstairs in the main hall 
and then to come all the way back around to uh to that area and there was yeah. just there was no reason for it like yeah it's just a really <laughs> odd mechanic to add in there i guess my only thing i can see is that it forced you to go upstairs to collect a few items up there uh but it's it's just annoying honestly uh my first playthrough <clears throat> actually took me a couple hours more than what it should have because uh you get to that room fairly quickly um and i was not conservative with my ammo at all uh which just left me with a uh, knife and the knife in this game is you might as well it's it's best to just put it in your like in the chest in the chest yeah use the knife that was another one of my notes that i had here the starting knife is just so fucking bad like i didn't count but it's probably around 10 hits to down a fucking yeah my first get back up whenever i first started my first save um i was playing on normal as chris and all you start out with is the knife and uh so after you come into the mansion explore a tiny bit you run into a zombie i was like i'll just go ahead and get this zombie out of the way with this knife i fucking died (laughs) like to the first zombie because that knife is so trash like there was just no way to do it since then i have been able to kill a couple zombies with the knife but i agree it's just not worth it just either run past the zombie and ignore it completely or just fucking i don't know kill yourself because there's no way to fucking that knife is just useless honestly and yeah so i was stuck because i had to go upstairs because that door handle got you know taken off and broke uh, and all I had was a knife. I was like completely out of ammo. And there's one zombie that blocks the path leading down the hallway. And then there's another like a little corner, 90 degree corner. And there's another zombie that stands there. And I want to say there's one more. Uh, I couldn't run past them. The way they were standing in that hallway, it's a tight corridor. I did it once, but I couldn't f- uh, find out the item that I needed or the door path I needed yeah. to get to. Because once you go through the one door on the zombie to the right there's like four zombies in that room yeah uh and then after a while i don't know maybe i was getting tired or what i couldn't run past them they would grab me and die i would die instantly yeah so i I mean it is it's generally possible to dodge the zombies in this game but they do very often put you in tight spaces so the only way to that you end up really having to be able to get around them is to either run up on them before they react to you because it usually takes them a second to react or to like get them to chase you to one side of the room and then quickly run around. It's it once the game opens up into more open areas, it's a lot nicer to run around and dodge the zombies and shit like that. But in the mansion, yeah, they really love to throw you in tight corridors, hallways with zombies blocking your path. And since, like you said, the ammo is so conservative, you need to be so conservative in the beginning of the game. It really does cause an issue where like you need to dodge the zombies. You can't really fight them all off. But they, yeah. <clears throat> but if you don't know what you're doing, you're running past the same zombie so many times that then you run into problems with healing items and you just kind of get fucked. So yeah, the game is uh, pretty unforgiving for uh, first-time players because most of the time you see ammo, you have guns, you're going to want to shoot the zombies as you're running past them, and then uh, they die. Uh, and then uh, towards the end of the game, you realize that they uh, turn into another type of monster. I think they're called Crimson Heads. Uh, which are yeah, which was exclusive to this. Oh, okay, one. they weren't in the original. I did not yeah. know that. So in the yeah, the original game that was not a thing, and it's actually one of my gripes about the remake. I guess it adds more suspense for like longer because you know they die and then they can come back or whatever. But 
it really drives home the not having enough ammo. And they gave you the option of using, uh, what was it, the lighter and fuel or whatever. But that's two more items that you have to carry around as Jill, one more if you're Chris. And you already have such limited inventory space. So, like, to explain the mechanic a little bit more since I cut Austin off there. You kill a zombie, they go down. If you don't destroy the head or burn the body, they will come back after a certain period of time as a red colorized version of the zombie that moves quicker and has a more powerful attack, but I believe they have less health. Yeah, think of them as like a modern day zombie. Like, uh, like, oh, what was that one movie? They sprint, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're a lot faster. Yeah, and, uh, speaking on, uh, oh, real quick, did you ever actually use the, the lighter and fuel? Like, for the zombies? As Chris, no. As Chris, I never touched it. As Jill, I did, just because there was a couple areas that no matter what you do, you have to visit a couple times, and I just didn't want to have to keep running past the same zombies. So I, I did end up trying it out as Yeah, Jill, the only yeah. time I ever ended up using it was those zombies around the one safe room. That's, uh, I apologize if you hear my daughter in the background. She doesn't sound very happy. Uh, no, you're good. Um, the safe room that's uh, underneath the staircase uh, by the door with the handle. Because as I said, yeah. the zombies were uh, fucking me up my first playthrough. That's, so I ended up... That's exactly where I Yeah, I burnt those yeah. because I could just run right back and... Um, put that right back in the thing fill up the flask yeah because as yeah. uh you were saying with chris you have limited uh inventory space and the game for uh showing chris is like the first character when, on the character select screen uh yeah you should only play chris if you like hate yourself honestly he has a uh, pretty much he has yeah. less firepower i think he has slightly more health mm -hmm. um yes I, I believe so as well but yeah less inventory space which is a big thing in the game because you have to think you got your weapon with chris you can only carry yep. about one uh yep if you want a healing item but with chris because he was my second playthrough i i normally didn't even keep a healing item on me because i was just avoiding zombies and then some areas you need a key item and then behind where you need that key item you're gonna need another key item uh because keys are key items and with chris there's also sub keys because Jill has a pick lock or a lock pick <laughs> said that backwards uh, so there's door love me those pick locks <laughs> so there's a bunch of doors that not only would you need a main key for you need a smaller key with Chris which takes up more inventory space that was my other uh, slight gripe with the game is so the save mechanic in this game is a little bit dated um, there's no quick saves or anything. They have predetermined areas where there are typewriters. Um, most of them are in the safe rooms, but there's a couple areas where they're just by themselves. Just scattered um, around you. And to save, you have to have an ink ribbon on you, uh, which takes up inventory space. Uh, my gripe with the game, well, that. I just wish, like, I understand maybe so you can't, like, spam save. Um, save, save scum, scum yeah. yeah. But, like, why not just have that as a, like, non-inventory, like, so it doesn't take up space. Like, you can still have a number of them, but, like, not have them take up space because it... I mean, and you could say that about so many of the things, Yeah, though. that's true. Not only the ink ribbons, but also all of the keys, especially with Chris, like you were saying. So the difference, one of the big differences between Chris and Jill, Chris has a lighter as a permanent Which you item. use... Jill has the... 
like two times in the game. That's yeah. it. Um, unless you're burning zombies. But regardless, Joe has the lock pick or pick lock as Austin <laughs> likes to call it. And those are so those are permanent items that you hold on to. Chris never has the option of getting the lock pick, so he has to find what's called, I believe, old keys is what they call yeah. it, to unlock certain doors throughout the game. And there's probably only like six of these doors or something like that in there. But since he already has less inventory space, carrying around one or two of those keys, by the time you count your weapon, your ammo for the weapon, one of those keys, one of the main keys, because you can collect like four different symbol keys that unlock a handful of, of rooms, that only leaves you two inventory spots to pick up new key items or to carry a key item to wherever you need to take it to unlock the next area or whatever. Inventory is one of my big gripes with Chris at least. With Jill, it wasn't nearly as bad because she has the lockpick, so you never had to carry around old keys. She has two more inventory spots as it is. So it just it really wasn't much of an issue with her, and it's one of my biggest gripes with Chris. I think if both of them had eight inventory slots, and then they just changed the story sections around a little bit, uh, the weapons that you're able to get, things like that, I think it would have been a lot more of an enjoyable experience, at least with Chris. Yeah, and I just don't, <clears throat> I just don't understand why they did that with him. I mean, it's just, it's not even difficulty. It's it's the no. unfun kind of difficulty where it's just grindy because you're you're Pattern. searching for yeah. keys now. And it made me kind of, not paranoid, but I was always expectant to grab another old key. So it would make me, even if I didn't have them in my inventory at the time, I would leave an open spot because the last thing you want to do is find an old key and it tell you you can't pick it up. So then you have to backtrack, which if it was, you know, a modern day game, it might take you... 20 seconds to run down the staircase and whatnot but because it has all the (laughs) slow door animations it's another like 10 minutes just to get you know down one floor and all the way back through yeah um so yeah that was uh yeah chris even though chris was my second playthrough and he's not as enjoyable i did enjoy that second playthrough more just because it was a lot quicker a lot less backtracking but yeah and that's really where the game seems to shine is a second playthrough so we both played on easy for our second playthrough, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I played on easy. Just to get through the game, just to get through the game more quickly. Our, our first playthrough, we both played normal, the normal difficulty. Second one, I think we both just wanted to get through it a little bit more quickly. But I think I would have even enjoyed it more if I played my second playthrough on hard. Just because knowing where you're going and what you need made the game a hundred times more enjoyable. Especially since I was playing as Jill on my second playthrough. So I didn't have as many inventory issues and things like that. Yeah. That helped out so much. And the thing with the second playthrough playing on easy with uh, Chris is that it didn't really matter because even on normal, I had little difficulty actually fighting the enemies except in that one spot. And that was that really yeah. wasn't the enemies being hard. It was a little bit on the game design because I couldn't get around them and my own stupidity for losing ammo or burning through it. Yeah. Um, but with Chris playing on easy is kind of makes no sense as long as the enemies aren't weren't difficult for you to begin with because there's so much extra medicine and I think ammo as well and you can't do nothing with it because you don't have inventory for yeah. it and I I barely use yeah. medicine um, I never got poisoned except for a cutscene we'll get to um, and with with Chris he has the pistol he has a shotgun. Does he have another gun? 
Oh, flamethrower. Yeah, he has the pistol shotgun, assault shotgun, the flamethrower, but that's only a limited time weapon. You can't use it for any extended period of time. <laughs> and then you have the optional weapon, which is the magnum. You can, you can get the flamethrower as a, as a permanent weapon. You have to... Oh, I, I don't you, know There how. is um, the fake, or the broken flamethrower that you have to use at one point. You can pick that up, if I recall, and run all the way back to where you used put the flamethrower on the shelf again. And oh, replace sure, it. yeah, because there's but two the flame, spots to Honestly, the flamethrower is yeah. not worth all that running, I'll be honest. Yeah, especially because I think you only get ammo for it once, Yeah, right? I think I, And that's during the fight with the, I think they call it, like, black black ice the spider black, what do they call it the yeah the ginormous spider, spider. Uh, and i didn't even use yeah. it on that because uh right afterwards you either have to pick up a knife which will give you two knives at that point that's how i did it and cut down the I picked that's what i did with jill and then with i didn't want to pick that knife up again because i knew i was going to need an inventory space so i ended up using the flamethrower and you can actually burn uh the spider has like yeah. webbing over a door that you have to either cut or burn down um, yeah. So let's get back on the story. So you're in this you're in this mansion, and there's a bunch of weird yeah. puzzles. It does not look like anything a mansion should ever be. Um, <laughs> no, it's very dark, and uh, it was almost built like a maze. Like there's hidden passages and weird switches all over the place. Yeah, and, if, if a cop like showed that. up at that mansion, uh, he should be getting his fucking spidey tenses senses uh go tenses, spidey tenses. i know i'm stumbling over spiders tenses singling <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it should raise some eyebrows um because it's just a bunch of weird puzzles and there's obviously yeah. shit going on in this mansion like so, <laughs> this is secret hideout 101 here so yeah so if you're playing jill you get there you're separated from the rest of the group except with another member uh, who's named barry he's the weapons expert for uh mm -hmm. alpha team um and you and barry kind of split off on each side of the mansion to look for the other members uh and you end up doing a shit ton of puzzles to essentially get these keys there's four of them um yeah there's four of them right I believe There's four so. of them that will unlock. It's not that I really That will unlock to other doors that essentially have either more puzzles or masks, which is what you want to get through with those puzzles to get these masks. They're uh, in the remake, yeah. The masks didn't exist. Yeah, before. yeah. This this is all remake essentially what we're talking about. Um, yeah. and those masks will unlock a coffin that will drop down and have a one one of those crimson heads in it for you yep. to kill to get a another key item which is this piece of metal with a stone around it um so another topic i want to get to before we hop too far more into the story um is the boss battles in this game i mean I, the game's dated i don't want to i don't want to hate on the yeah, game for being obviously. dated or for dated mechanics which they just couldn't get around uh the boss battles were very uh straightforward i guess they were very easy um yeah they were fairly easy the uh so there's a giant snake that you fight um you run into him twice actually once uh he had attacked one of the other members of scars and so you you help that guy or let him die depending on how you play the game and then a door right past him that you eventually unlock you get in there to i think you get one of the masks from that room if i'm not mistaken there's a giant snake that comes down the the one that had attacked him 
and you have to i don't even know can you kill the snake there i, I never tried i never was able to um and how he reappears uh the second time makes exactly yeah that you can't um but i'm not positive probably on that. not yeah, so he does reappear later, but I did really like that snake. Honestly, I thought that he just, I thought it was a cool design. Um, and the fight, you are right about the fight. So whenever you fight him again, you're in like a little library section. And really all you do is like run around this bookcase. And the snake can only circle around it in one direction, basically, as long as you just keep running around it. So you just run a little bit, shoot him two times, run a little bit, shoot him two times, do that like five times and he's dead. So the yeah, it is pretty easy, and that's basically all the bosses. Yeah, I feel like there's like two other bosses in the game, and essentially the same thing. You run away a tiny bit, shoot once or twice, run away a tiny bit, repeat until dead. Yeah, and I feel like it was mostly for the oh shit factor of a ginormous spider, like or not spider, uh, snake coming down. Than it was yes, like the yeah. actual. Well, there's a giant. There's spider a giant too, spider. Though, so, I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, moving through the story more. Uh, so the last area that you need to get to, um, which is like the whole laboratory of all the shady shit that's going on here, requires uh, another one of those stones or metal pieces with a stone wrapped around it. So you end up going on a bit more of an adventure uh, looking for that. Um, yeah, through Lisa's hut, through a, a, like a little house that's off the side of the mansion for some reason. You go through there, and there ends up being, like, a small laboratory under that house where they were doing experiments on... Yeah, they were doing experiments on uh, different aquatic life and plants, and that's actually another one of your boss's boss battles is a giant plant. Yeah, That one was a little interesting to me because you had two different ways of fighting Mm -hmm. that one. You could either fight it directly, just, you know, shooting the shit out of it, or, and for some reason, only with Jill, you can mix... A bunch of chemicals together to create a poison that you can dump onto the roots of the plant to kill it yeah but for some reason it's only with jill and that bugged that, me that so really much that really bugged like, me too because there, there's actually two of those moments where it's like an only with jill thing um because i tried i i i i backtracked once again because there's a wasp nest nest as well and you have to get um some chemicals to blow onto it pesticide, pesticide or yeah pesticide or whatever blow yeah. onto it so these uh wasps aren't stinging you so when i did that i went back and i i knew that that was going to come up with all the jars to make this solution for the for the plant and there's four of them that you have to keep in your inventory and you have to go back and mix and do all kinds of shit so I, technically you only need three though. oh well um well i ran all the way back and i cleared out four spaces of inventory so i literally only had my gun and ammo um and then yeah i run back and i go in the room and it says that uh he has no medical knowledge therefore he can't he can't do it which pissed me off which just makes no sense at all like how he can read right (laughs) like it's so the whole puzzle thing you find a file that tells you what kind of chemical you need and it, it describes like what colors uh, all the different chemicals are and everything and gives you their name and then you go to a room not far from there and that's where you pick up the beakers and in that same room you have a couple different jars of chemicals and a sink with water in it and on the wall is scribbled the directions on how to it's make literally this, just math uh, herbicide or whatever yeah it's literally just like math like anybody math. could do it why not give chris the ability at first i was thinking maybe it was inventory space reasons but you only needed like i said three was all you needed if you went through it uh the 
basically you could do it a more complicated way or you could do it the easier way you could do it with three or you could do it with four regardless though that would have left you two inventory spots with chris or three if you only use the the three beaker method so there's absolutely no reason chris shouldn't have been able to do it they just chose not to let you yeah and that that bugged the hell out of me yeah that bugged me too um um also, I apologize for any weirdness with the audio. Uh, I'm recording on my laptop, and I had it plugged in, so it caused a little bit of a buzz that wasn't there for the first half of this recording, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, that, that really bugged me. There's another moment where you need to get these uh, two pieces of music. Uh, it's ripped out of like the whole book. Mm. Now, in the first game, yeah. you just find the book, and it's 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 in its full rendition. Yeah. So you yeah. grab those. And with Jill, Jill's also a pianist, apparently, because she reads the music and she apparently. can play it. Uh, with Chris, Chris Perfectly. is f- stupid, apparently. I mean, not that I can't <laughs> play the piano either, but he can't do basic math, so I can't. I don't expect him yeah, to play yeah, the piano. Exactly. Anyway, so you have to get a side character, Rebecca, to come in. She knows how to play piano, so she tries and she needs more practice. So she tells you this, and then the game load like it goes cuts from the cutscene, and you're playing again, and it makes you run all the way back to the main lobby of this mansion, and then you have to run back to the room, and then she's done practicing. Yeah. Why not just have a small cutscene showing her practicing, and then just continue on with the game? Why make me <laughs> run around for another? Again, 10 it makes sense if you know how to beat the game already, because the whole reason the trigger was to run back to the dining room was because there's a key item in the dining room that you're going to need directly after that moment. So fine, that's all fine and good. If you knew that, hey, I'm going to need this key item from the dining room to do this. Personally, I was one of the first items I picked up and just stored it in a chest somewhere. Because I didn't know that I was going to need it for that specific moment. So, yeah, the trigger should have been, in my opinion, do you have this key item? That should have been the trigger... Or have you already picked up this key item? So, like, I guess really that's just it. Did you pick up this key item already? Then fine, she's practiced enough, she can play the music. Yeah. Or just have it so that you don't have to watch her practice at all if you've already gotten the key yeah, item. Yeah, so, so yeah, they definitely kind of paint Jill to be a little more intelligent than Chris, which confuses yeah. <laughs> me because yeah. there's, there's very few cutscenes in this game. Uh, it has a very thin plot line. It's definitely made more for the horror aspect of it. Uh, that's why... Yeah. From what I've read, why they made the remake was because they needed added more stuff to keep it in line with the the sequel. So I can only imagine what the original is like. But uh, so <clears throat> throughout the story, the few cutscenes you do have uh, is you interacting with Barry when you're playing as Jill, um, and they kind of paint it that Barry, not kind of, they they make you believe that Barry is a very suspicious individual because at one time he's yes. talking to himself and. It's very weird. Uh, Jill claims, yeah, to be yeah, claims to, to be talking to himself, uh, but it's obviously someone else's voice. Um, and Jill seems so fucking oblivious to it. Uh, he tells he tells Jill that he's just you know kind of losing his mind a little bit. He's just mumbling to himself, and it's, yeah, he's it's like old. obviously yeah. <laughs> a fucking other person talking to him. And then yeah. you find this secret passage and all kinds of shit, and it's like Jill seems so oblivious to like Barry being the bad guy. And it works out in her favor because he's not the bad guy, as you find out later on. But Yeah, turns out. Um, <clears throat> which, actually, that's another change that they made, too, was in the original... So, correct me if I'm wrong, but in this game, there's only one 
choice that you have that leads to Barry either living or dying, right? And that's whether you give him the gun back or not? Nope. Am I mistaken there, or no, is that right? No, because Lisa can kill... Well... Uh, I'm not sure. As, yeah, because... Yeah, well, I mean, Lisa ha- can kill him there, but, but that's more of a gameplay thing, yeah, not yeah, a no. choice. The only, the only choice, like, the affecting choice is for, with that character. Whether yeah. you gun the gun or yeah, not. Yeah, so each character only has so two choices that will affect the ending. Yeah. Um, so in the original, there was another, there was a really weird thing. They took it out of this game completely, so it's a little bit of a sidetracky thing. But in the original, you fall down a hole that secret passage that you were talking about, um, that's a hole in the original game, and you, like, fall down in it. Um, Well, actually, you go down on some rope that Barry gives you, and then the rope falls. So Barry goes to get rope and tells you to wait for him. In the original, you have to actually just stand there and wait. I don't remember how long it is, but one of the triggers for him living or not is just standing there and waiting, taking him at his word that he's going to come back. Does it even have a time limit, or do you just have to stand there and wait? Yeah, you just have to stand there and wait until he eventually comes back. He will eventually come back in the original game. I don't remember how long the wait is, but that's just such a weird thing yeah. to me. But it brings me up to another thing is that the choices in this game are kind of odd, in my opinion. Because with Barry, the only choice you make that leads to him living or dying is whether or not you give him a gun back to protect himself in a fight against Lisa. And up to that point, um, you, you're you led to believe that he's pretty evil. You. At that uh, yeah, point, a you bad still guy. don't know that yeah. he really has nothing to do. Or So with Chris, I think the only thing for Rebecca, which is Chris's side character, um, I believe the only thing keeping her alive is if you actually go and save her or not. Yeah, so yeah, you hear, I think it's during a cutscene. Her screaming. Yeah, you hear a scream, yeah. and you have to run to that room and kill. It's um, a hunter, which are these like... Yeah. Rep- Rep- hunched over razor sharp claws yeah like a reptile-esque they yeah. kind of remind me of those reptiles from uh torok <laughs> the one torok game except oh except a little more buff and deadly <laughs> a little more those buff. were kind of stupid in torok um yeah i think so then i think that's the only thing that affects uh rebecca's ending yeah so then the only other choice you have with the two characters is whether you save the other main character. So once you get through the residence, well, one more thing while we're on the residence, though, trying to get through the story stuff here. I will say that as Chris, if you save a, another side character whose name I can't remember, but the one that gets poisoned before that giant yeah, snake. Yes, so I'd like to touch on If this you topic. save him, yeah, if you save him. He shows up again at the residence, but in the Aquadome, and it's, like, flooded, and uh, so you have to, like, go down into waist-high water. You go through a door, and all of a sudden you see him kind of in the middle of it, and out of nowhere, this just giant fucking, like, Jaws-like shark just comes up and eats, just eats him. Like, just kills this dude, and that just had me laughing so hard, man. I loved that moment. It was completely ridiculous, but it was just hilarious to see him just, like... Chris, no, and then all of a sudden <laughs> just get fucking swallowed by the now, shark, dude. There's a there's um, a bit of a boss battle. Uh it's about the size of like a megalodon. Um did you how did you kill yeah. that? Did you push the electronics into the water? Yes. Okay. Yes, I pushed the did electronics. Did you get a chuckle out of the animation that it does? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Have it flop flop. It's all like a seizure, but you put the like video speed on four. Um Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's a little wild. Animations are not exactly the strong suit of this no. game. 
Um, but so much better than the original. The original had them, like, doing the robot the entire fucking time. Yeah. That's basically what the animations looked like. It was uh, interesting, so, to say the back least. back to uh, saving that guy that we can't remember his name. Um, I think it's Richard. Yeah, it's Richard. It may be. So, with Jill, and because she was my first... There's no way to permanently save him. Just to okay. know. He ends up dying no matter what. Yeah. So, with Jill, since she was my first playthrough, I get there, and you find him, and he tells you that he needs serum, and it shows you on the map. I don't know if it does in the original, but it shows you in the map where the serum's at, and it's one of the safe rooms. Um, So then I went back. Yeah, I think they call it, like, the medicine room yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so I went back, and I had some other things I was, like, exploring. Not thinking, like, you know, there's no timer or anything. I didn't think it was urgent, so I'm exploring around. I finally get to the room, and I click all around, and I can't like pick up any item and there's this one shelf and it says like how there's serum on it and it's like a weird color or something i'm thinking like my game yeah. glitch out like i clicked on it and i couldn't figure it out and i'm like i know this is the room finally i had to look it up but he he died Took he died and it won't yeah. tell you that he died unless you go all the way back and it won't tell you that you can't get the serum anymore which enraged me so much because it's on the opposite side of the mansion once again so you're you're it's like yeah. a 15 minute travel that might be a bit of an exaggeration but it's a long travel and yeah that pissed me off to no end because they at least could have had a timer which they have in the game because at the end of the game there's a timer during the last boss battle yeah. so they could have just showed you on the screen this is how long you have which it's the same thing too when chris whenever you have to save rebecca there is a time limit to get up there to save Rebecca, yeah. too. But again, they don't show you. In, now, this is, seems a little bit more urgent because she, like, screams, has a deathly yeah. scream. So you're kind of more compelled to go directly to well, her. Like when I, but still, if you spend too long just uh, exploring the room that you're in whenever she yeah. screams, if you sp spend too long just exploring that room, you could end up missing her and having her die yeah, there Yeah, but well. at least with, at so least with Chris, she's, like, one room away. I think she's directly above him or in the room adjacent to him. Yeah, you have to go out into the hall, into the area with the save room, up the stairs, into the next hall, loop around, and then into the room okay. with the save room. Um, so you're actually making like five transitions, but it's on the same side of the Yeah, at least they're not sending you clear across the mansion, and like at that yes. point you're going to yeah. explore, you're going to have some zombies fuck with you. Like it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, I didn't like that. Um, so back to the back to the story. Oh, what was... Oh, with uh, Jill. So did you save him with Jill? Yes. What? Yeah, I saved... Uh, I got the best ending with both characters, which is saving the side character and the other playthroughs. Okay. Yeah, I got I got the best ending with both of them as well. I just didn't save Richard with Jill. And I was wondering, do you get a special weapon for doing that? Uh, you get the assault shotgun, that's okay. it. Um, if you save which, him. does it? But he dies... He dies a lot sooner with Jill, though. So you save him with the serum... And then that room that you go into to fight the giant snake, he just comes in, he busts through the door to help you fight off that snake, and he gets fucked and drops the shotgun right there. So he dies a lot sooner in Jill's storyline than he does okay. Chris's. But. Um, another thing about that serum area is with Chris, when you fight the snake, um, with Jill, if you fight the snake and it bites you, you're just poisoned. And if you have uh, blue herb, which takes away the, the poisoning... You can just pop one of those and you're fine. Um, with, or maybe no, no, no. You pass out and Barry comes and saves you. That's it. Mm. Um, with Chris, you, you pass out if you get bitten. And now you didn't experience this because you never got bit. 
Yeah, with either character, I didn't. Uh, with Chris, didn't you pass it. out the same way that you would with Jill, except Rebecca finds you, and Rebecca's a medic, uh, and instead of carrying you, because Rebecca's like 18 and small, uh, you take control yeah. of Rebecca, and it makes you run all the way across the game again, or the map again, to go to the serum room, and then come all the way, or maybe, yeah, I think you have to come all the way back with Rebecca and apply it to him which i do find that interesting i didn't get to experience that but i do find it interesting that they let you play as a third character for a short period it's of time. interesting were you able to do you know were you able to like go into her inventory or anything like that did she have any uh no she just carried a uh, pistol that i think i think chris gives her a pistol early in the game and she just has that pistol yeah. with i think like one thing of ammo if you try to like search through oh, the okay. chest or anything it tells it says that you don't have time for that um okay okay so yeah it was interesting in theory it's just like why <laughs> it sucks that you had to make that trip again it, it, yeah playing as side, side characters has done much better in the following game it's that, yeah. i don't know why they did that but um <laughs> um so anyway so you're in the aquadome section you're in the resident section you go through the aquadome do all that you fight off plant 42 is the plant's name um that gets you another item i don't even remember what it was oh it was another stone metal and stone ring or something like that wasn't it from what or no it was a key yeah from the residence what was the final you get a you get the last key for the mansion that allows you into a room where you find a jewelry box that gives you the last stone and metal object and that lets you go through a secret passage well it's more like a gate not really so much no, a no, secret you just passage. get the you get the and last then, you get the metal but you don't get the stone that wraps around it so where do you get the stone from? Uh, the caves. That's the last thing you get from the caves. Oh, okay. Regardless, um, long story short, you end up unlocking, unless there's something specific about the caves you're wanting to talk about. Um, no, the caves are pretty straightforward. There wasn't really a lot of enemies, yeah. if any, except least. No, nah, I mean, there were a few hunters here and there, and there was the giant-ass spiders. Lisa was in there, too, That's right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, she was in there, but again, you don't really end up fighting Lisa a lot because she's invincible, so (laughs) there's no real reason to fight her. You just see her, and then you run away from her. Um, But anyway, so eventually you get a couple metal rings in the remake. You go through this gate in the back of the main hall in the mansion that you enter in, and that takes you down to what they call a chapel, which didn't make any sense to me. It doesn't really look like a chapel, um, where you see Lisa for the final time, um, and... So, kind of interesting. The Lisa lore, like we mentioned before, was that her and her mother were both being experimented on. She was a little tiny girl, and she loved her mother, just wanted to spend time with her mother. But her mother ends up dying. And so, this whole time, for the past however many years since she that she's been being experimented on, she just wanted to be reunited with her mother. So, you get down underneath the main mansion, and you have either Barry or Wesker. Wesker um, is another side character. He ends up being... He's the... Uh, kind of the leader of stars he's the number one person in stars it's kind of his group anyways if you're jill then it's barry that's down there if you're chris then it's wesker you go down there and they fire at jill a hundred times or sorry at uh lisa a hundred times while you go around and push these stones off the edge which ends up opening a coffin that was lisa's mother's coffin so the only reason she was angry and attacking you the whole time was because she was trying to protect her mother it turns out like she's not even a bad character per se she's just a scared girl right that's <clears throat> been experimented on and mutated so once the coffin opens she takes her mother's skull out of it and then just fucking yeets herself off the ledge 
and then you never see her again in this game at least i guess she plays a role i don't know if she plays a role or gets mentioned brought up or something that fight was quite i've heard what okay i was just saying the fight was quite strange because they don't ever like there's no there's no hints or anything that her mom's like buried in there if i recall and they don't even mention it or like it yeah it's not until after you the coffin opens up she grabs a skull and eats herself off the edge (laughs) you pick a key item up out of there which is i don't even remember what it was it doesn't really matter Anyways, you pick a key item up, and underneath of it, there's a photo with, like, a note or something like that. And that's how you discover that it was actually her mother's coffin. Yeah, I just mean, like... Um, but anyways, and that... After you go through that area, that takes you back out into another courtyard area where you unlock a... a uh, there's a fountain, and you have to put some items in it, some key items in it. And that opens up kind of the bottom of the fountain, and it turns out there was a secret laboratory below the mansion this entire time. Where they were trying to create viruses to turn to use as bioweapons to either turn humans into weapons or to debilitate the enemy kind of a mix of both um in this facility so you go down there and you're running through and you're figuring out all this stuff that the umbrella corporation ends up being the corporation behind all this you find out all this shit that they're doing how they're experimenting on people turning them into these zombies into these uh bioweapons and you're running through and uh i mean i don't think there's any really important plot points until you get to the the end of this area where you go down this elevator and you run into wesker uh and it turns out wesker was the bad guy all along he kind of he works he's a higher up at umbrella he had stars as his side project i think he called <laughs> yeah, it something like that which just like what kind of what kind of side project is that it makes no damn sense he took this side project that he cultivated that he grew of these elite fighters or whatever, these elite police force, and then brings them to the mansion to see how these bioweapons would work against them, I guess was the <clears> idea. Can we stop to talk about Wesker's voice, by the way? His voice actor is the most like <laughs> iconic sounding, like early 90, mid to early 90s action person. It's, mm. yeah. think like Power Rangers. That's the vibe his voice gives off. And it's yeah. <laughs> hard to take him as a serious villain when he sounds like that. Well, and it's even more hard to take him as a serious villain because with Jill, you don't experience it as much. But with Chris, Chris was apparently like the right-hand man. He was the second highest person in stars. And in Chris's story, Wesker ends up being the one to help you a couple times throughout the story. Like after you're done at the residence and whatnot and you're going back to the mansion, you find a bunch of ammo and things on the ground and a note that that annoying one-way door um, with the broken doorknob was fixed. And Jill's playthrough, Barry does that. Makes sense. He's a good guy. He likes Jill. He's trying to help her out. And Chris's playthrough, it's Wesker. Wesker leaves you a bunch of ammo and fixes a door to make your life easier for you. He brought you here to be murdered by zombies. Why is he it's, helping you? Why is he trying to keep you especially alive? Especially when there's already another side character, as in Rebecca. Like, why doesn't she bring you yeah, ammo? Yeah, that could have helped you out instead. It just, it makes no sense that... Th- just the character of Wesker makes no sense. Like, he he's brought you here to be murdered, but then he's trying to help you out. He's trying to keep you alive. He doesn't just kill you whenever he has the opportunity to, and he has a few. And then you get to the end, discover he's a bad guy. Instead of just killing you directly, he shows you his most perfect human, or whatever he called it, most perfect weapon, which is Tyrant. 
is the name of this thing. And it is like a seven and a half foot tall, giant mutated man with like a heart on the outside of his chest like and like Hulk. giant bulging veins. Yeah. And like one hand is like a giant claw thing and whatnot. And I, I love it in Chris's playthrough because Wesker goes up to it to, to the tank that it's being stored in as it's draining out and he's admiring it and talking about it and how beautiful it is and all this shit. And then it just shoves its hand through the glass, the clawed hand through the glass, piercing Wesker's chest and dropping him for dead. And I love that about Chris's storyline. Yeah. In Jill's storyline, it doesn't quite play out the same way, but same thing, basically. Um, instead, Barry comes down with you for this fight. And you find out that Wesker was threatening Barry's family if Barry didn't help him out in small ways throughout this uh, whole game. And then I forget exactly, does he get knocked out by, or I'm sorry, does Wesker get knocked out by Tyrant? Is that what happens in Jones? I don't recall. I can't remember. I remember Wesker shoots Barry and Rebecca in both playthroughs. Um, doesn't kill them. Um, I don't remember how Barry survives, but Rebecca... She stands up and Chris is like, oh, thank God you got a bulletproof vest on. Like, why the fuck would yeah. you shoot her? Well, then? and I think that depends on the choice you make, though. Oh, okay. I believe if you don't give Barry the gun, then you end up finding him, like, uh, just almost completely destroyed by zombies. Like, Wesker basically tells him to, like, get the fuck out, go do something else or whatever. And then you find him on your way back out of the uh, underground laboratory. Um, and he's been like destroyed by zombies. So it depends on what choice you make there with Barry. But regardless, like I said, the, the ending is the same. Wesker's fucked. Tyrant escapes and you have to fight off Tyrant. You fight off Tyrant in one game. Uh, in Jill's playthrough, it's believed to be Wesker that starts the, uh, whatchamacallit, the self-destruct. Yeah. And Chris's playthrough, it's Rebecca offers to go start the self-destruct. And then you're left with a choice. There turns out that there is an underground holding cell with the other main character, and it's the last big choice of the game. You can take the extra 30 seconds to run over and unlock them, or you can leave them as the facility fucking self-destructs. Now, <clears throat> it, uh, it has this alarm going off in the background that makes you think that you yeah. have a very small amount of time until this shit explodes. It sounds like like it's, it's a very loud like warning system. Uh, I yeah. took my time on the second playthrough yeah, as far I, as i'm aware I, you have as long as you fucking yeah, want which it baffles me what they choose to make like a time limit and what they don't choose to make is a time limit and again though speaking of time limits and timers and things though like how we were saying how other moments in the game should have had timers once you save them or not and then go to the next room starting to lead out of this underground facility they do actually put a fucking time limit they, they on the screen a, yep. right before they you escape. Five minutes. They put a three or minute, three, or I thought it was three. three. Regardless, three minute, five minute, doesn't matter. They put a time limit on the screen. So they had the ability the entire time to put these time limits on screen for you. They just chose not yeah, to. And you know what's interesting is, so the final, the final, final fight, you go out on this helipad and... Yeah, so you escape from the underground facility, you get a radio call from the guy Brad. who originally dropped you off being like, give me a fucking sign if anybody's alive, and you get up there, release a flare, basically, into the sky to let him know that you're there, and then, go ahead. So yeah, so when you get up there, uh, the timer's still going, and you can, the flare's sitting on the ground, it's an item you can pick up, and then you gotta equip it, and then you can use it. Uh, while the timer's going off, 
Um, so with Jill, I, I instantly picked up the, the flare. I set it off. As soon as you set it off, a cutscene happens where you feel this rumble and the tyrant uh, isn't actually dead. It goes, it fucking like jumps through the goddamn concrete. Yeah, just straight through it the comes out, concrete. <clears throat> and it goes to attack whichever wounded, um, like secondary character you have. And now they they can die at this point. If you don't distract the tyrant, yes. they can die. And I don't think you can kill the tyrant until the final thirty seconds. So you have to go through and do this. Like you don't even need ammo for this fight. If you just run close enough to the tyrant, he'll swing at you and focus on you, and you just run. He's very slow. He does mm-hmm. a charge every now and then, if I recall. Yeah, I was gonna say he has this charge that can be hard to dodge if you're really close oh, to but him. But I just but ran circles. The weirdest, yeah. The weirdest part about it is the fixed camera angles make it so that the tyrant is almost always off screen yeah and i don't know if that was intentional which was really or, annoying um i don't know either generally i like the fixed camera angles because it lets the developer show you exactly what they want to show you and give more detail um to different areas and things like that it really helps atmosphere in general in my opinion i know i'm in the minority here with that but anyways that area though is the perfect example of how not to do it yeah especially because, because... it kept the enemy almost completely off screen and when that enemy has a charge ability that can fucking charge at you at relatively fast speeds you want to be able to keep an eye on him so you know whether to fucking get out of the way or not. yeah and <clears throat> um and that area is literally just a square they could have had the camera cover that entire area yeah now i didn't die but i assume if you would die during that fight you would get respawned to your earliest your latest save that you made which could have been yeah because there is no actual respawn in this game that i'm aware of. so that could have been like it's always just if you if you honestly felt like you were being like there was a time limit and the shit was going to explode it could have been a long time before you saved like because if you were trying to rush and you didn't save thinking it would waste time so yeah that would that would have pissed me off really badly yeah, you probably would have had to redo the entire first Tyrant fight. Which which is really it, easy. Save the other main character. Yeah, it really wasn't uh, that hard. Although I did die once on it, I will say. But uh, um, anyways, run through the entire underground area, save the other main character, and then go all the way back up top. Yeah, again. so which I discovered a... I mean, it's probably widely known, but it was uh, interesting to find out. So when that timer is going down, you can sit outside... So the 30-second mark, Brad flies over and drops you off uh, this, like, bazooka. Rocket launcher, basically. (laughs) And you shoot it once, and it comically blows the tyrant, like, literally to bits. I never had that happen. Oh, wait. Comically blows into bits. Okay. Yeah, I had that happen. I thought you were talking about... I saw in a... I think it was a speedrun that I was watching. Apparently, there is the... I don't know if it's only on harder difficulties or what. But there is a cutscene that can take place where the tyrant just knocks the rocket away. Whoa, yeah, I never saw that. That's interesting. Yeah, I never had that happen either, but apparently that's a thing that can happen. So, yeah, but on my uh, second playthrough, I, instead of shooting that flare instantly, I waited until the 40-second mark, shot the flare, and as soon as the tyrant and I started fighting, the rocket dropped at the 30-second mark, and I shot the tyrant. I didn't have to worry about any keeping him away yeah. or anything like that. So it was interesting. That See, that's interesting. I actually it. didn't know. Yeah, I actually didn't know that was how that mechanic worked. So that is cool. Um, it's a cool little, uh, if you're worried about fighting the tyrant, it'd probably be especially handy on the harder difficulties. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, where you would be more worried about if you're trying um, to get the perfect ending or whatever. Yeah, with, with 
be more with Chris. About it. I was so low on ammo that there was no way I was going to be able to distract him with shooting him a whole bunch. I'd have to run around for yeah. four minutes, which I didn't feel like doing. <laughs> oh, that was the other thing I wanted to talk about. Now, going way farther back, I don't know if I watched you play it as a child. I saw it on something. I remember the um, those dogs. So there's a hallway when you walk through. And it's quite scary the first time being a first time player, but um, you run through it a few times and like your third or fourth time or after you get a certain item, you're running through it yeah. and these dog, the Cerberuses will jump through the windows and chase you. Yeah, just, just um, crash through yeah, it. Yeah, and now there's a few other instances of that and I hated how they did it because when you like after that first time you realize the way they set up the camera angle makes it so obvious that something's going to come through that window because they position it like up against the window almost like focusing it and i didn't like that yeah. because it just yeah. I, I knew when it was going to come at that point um it was effective the first time i think that's the easiest way to sum up the game though is like its atmosphere is really strong in the beginning until you get a few hours into it or on your second playthrough and then it loses yeah. its scariness it, very quickly. It's still atmospheric, but like it's not as intense as it is. And it's kind of the opposite for the gameplay, though, in my opinion. The first few hours of the game, I feel like, are the worst. You're stuck in the mansion with all these tight corridors, these puzzles that constantly have you backtracking back and forth and things like that. But then as soon as you get the four masks and leave the mansion, I feel like the game opens up so much more. You're outside, you have more room to run around zombies if you don't want to fight them. There's, it's much more varied, the spaces that you're exploring, there's new enemy types and things like that. So it's kind of the opposite. You're less scared because, like, the game, I don't know, just kind of gets comical after a while almost. Yeah. Um, but the game itself, I feel like, actually gets better a few hours. Definitely. But regardless, the second playthrough, I feel, is so much more fun to play, but definitely loses all of its creepiness or, or scare factor. Yeah, yeah, the only time I, I kind of even got a little scared um, during my first playthrough was, well, I'm, I'm scared of water, like deep water, so the the Aquadome with yeah. the sharks. not really scared of sharks, but I didn't know what else could possibly come out of there, um, especially with all their experiments. So it was a little freaky. It wasn't like a jump scare or anything. Uh, what actually scared me was there's a room also it's a part of the residence um it almost looks like a bar and when you walk in oh yeah you walk in yeah. it doesn't seem like there's anything off and as soon as you walk a yeah. little bit forward this huge ass tarantula like crawls down the wall Drops behind down. you yeah. um so that scared me a good bit that i don't cool. i don't think anybody really likes spiders too much so that's always a little a little freaky mm, speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> um, that room really serves no huge purpose. There's a puzzle that's associated with it, and you match up the numbers, but it's only a three-number combination for the locks. So you can just yeah, uh, like what's that called when you just go through each number? Brute force. Yeah, you can just brute force it quite easily. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you notice that there were lamps? Too? Yeah. So yeah, it tells you which that you can light, and it shows you a symbol. Yeah. And... Yeah, I did that on my first playthrough, yeah. but on my second one, I was because I don't know if it's randomized every time, but I just. Okay. It's not. I kept notes, so I just I used like my notes three, the second three, time. Six, five or three five six or something like that. But it's not. Yeah. I honestly I don't remember what the code was at this point, so but uh yeah. Um speaking of like difficulty and things like that though, I 
So I played on easy my second playthrough, but like I mentioned before, I honestly probably could have played on hard and I think had just as much fun with the second playthrough. Because when I played on normal even, I still finished the game with about six full heals left over. Probably over 100 pistol ammo. Which, granted, the pistol fucking sucks, the starting pistol. Yeah. But still. And I never even used the revolver, which I believe is the strongest weapon you can get as Chris, until the very end. Um, the last fight. The, the very last fight against Yeah, Tyrant. I did the same exact thing. That's I it. actually... You get so much ammo and on easy mode that with Chris, I just used the assault shotgun. I, I stopped carrying same. my pistol because yeah. it's so weak. Um, the flamethrower's ass, so I never even cared about taking up that extra inventory space but yeah i just kept the shotgun and i just didn't want to carry the pistol because it was going to take up so much more space and you i with chris i don't think you actually get as much pistol ammo as you do shotgun ammo um so yeah i just kept it in my i'd pick up the ammo every now and then if i had an extra slot and i'd just store it but i always picked it up i know on my second playthrough it was on easy so you probably do get more ammo on easy than you do on normal but I know my second playthrough, I had nearly 300 regular pistol ammo left over by the end of the game. Yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah, I used the assault shotgun. As soon as I unlocked it, I switched to the assault shotgun on my easy playthrough of Jill. And then um, I switched to the grenade launcher once I got down into the underground lab. Yeah, the only sucky thing about the Which, grenade launcher is it's powerful, but it has three different types of ammo. And they all don't stack on yeah. each other, so it becomes a pain. But you can load a shit ton of ammo into the grenade yeah. launcher, though, which is nice. <clears throat> yeah, I did notice that. So, really, what I did was I just took whichever one I had the most of, really, and just loaded it all into the grenade launcher, and then I just carried a secondary ammo type in case I ran out, whatever. So, it really wasn't that much different for me, but... Um, but, yeah, so difficulty-wise, I'm probably not going to, at least anytime soon, go back and play the game again. But if I did decide to go back and play the game again, I would probably play through on hard. You wouldn't want to try the uh, survivor um, mode or whatever it's called? Yeah, so there's uh, there's other game modes that you can unlock. One of them is called the uh, real survivor or something like that. And basically it's how the game was originally meant to be made before too many of the playtesters uh, bitched about it. There's, so a, there's a reason for it. all the chests where you can store things. Yeah, all the chests where you can store things they're linked together in the normal game. So you put things in one chest, you can go to any other chest in the game and pick up the items that you put in the other one. In the real survivor mode, that's not the case. So talk about backtracking. Unless you know exactly what to pick up when, you would have to backtrack constantly to all the different chests. Um, and then on top of that, you also, I believe, have less health and uh, there's no aim assist in the real survivor. Whereas in the normal game, it basically aims for you as long as you're within a certain range of the uh, the, the enemy there. Um, a little bit off topic. Um, in so in the beginning, <clears throat> the first zombie you ever see is eating on a yeah um a another Bravo, stars a Bravo member. team member. Uh, and if you click on yeah. him after that zombie's dead or whatever, uh, it gives you a little tape, and you can't view the tape. There's nothing that plays the tape in the mansion. Uh, the end of the game <clears throat> towards the end when you're in the um the labs there's a player down there that you can use it to watch and i, I was so disappointed you carry this tape with you. i mean it doesn't take up like oh yeah it does it takes up it, inventory it does take up no no it doesn't, no, it doesn't no, take. it's in your notes no but no still like you, you pick yeah. it up at the beginning and you play you know 10 hours to see what it is and it's just like a, essentially this guy had a gopro on 
and you get to see him get eaten. Yeah, and that's it. It was body cam footage. That Why? was it. Which I was really <laughs> disappointed too. by that too. I was hoping what would have made sense to me was this is around the same time that you find pretty much concrete proof that Wesker's working with Umbrella. So what would have made sense to me was if they had shown that Wesker was somehow taking part in this dude dying. But of course that wouldn't actually work out because Chris it was with Wesker at the time and whatnot. But like there should have been some sort of big reveal, I feel like, but there wasn't. It was just this dude getting eaten by a zombie, which you already knew happened because like you said, he's the first zombie you run into run in there. He's getting fucking eaten yeah. by it. Yeah, like <clears throat> so obviously. But what they could have done was show Chris, like maybe or sorry, Wesker, maybe he had come to the mansion earlier before he came with Alpha Team and killed this dude and left him there to be eaten by the zombie. I think something like that would have been much more impactful, just had much more of an impact on the yeah, story. Definitely. Um, it just, cause yeah, yeah, it was a big letdown to finally be able to play this video and, oh, yep, he fought a zombie and lost. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was a disappointing aspect of it. Um, a couple other things that <clears throat> kind of annoyed me is, so there's uh, these crates that you push around uh, for some puzzles and whatnot. Uh, if you push the crate up against the wall and you need to like pull it back, uh, it does not have yeah, a pull yeah. mechanic at all. You have to leave the room, nope, or like the loaded area, and then come back and reload it, and it pisses yep. me off because it's like why, it's why. Yep, yep, yep. Which I mean, growing up with these games, or just growing up in the '90s in general, that didn't bother me so yeah. much. I was just kind of used uh, to that sort of idea. Green of time have but a I understand. pull mechanic. It might not have. I. I believe it did, but I'm not positive. Um, so what did bother me about this game, though, before you even start the game, you load it up, you hit new game, first thing you're presented with is a couple of options. Option one, which is some analogy of mountain climbing, or option two, which is something to do with hiking. Yeah, and I don't under... Why not just fucking say easy or normal? <laughs> like, I feel like there's a few other, it was... like... I think that was like a 90s Japanese developer like th thing where I mean, they give you this. Maybe. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with them giving you like these analogies or least, whatever. But at the end of it, put it in like parentheses or something like this is normal. This is hard. I, I honest to God, I just looked it up. Which one that's was what easy I and which too. one was normal because I didn't want to accidentally pick easy for my first playthrough or yeah. whatever. I wanted to play the way the developer meant it to be played, like the way that it was released. So I ended up just looking it up. But on that same thing, the very next option you're given is whether you're playing as Chris or Jill. Again, it doesn't explain what the difference is between these two characters. And since the story doesn't vary that much, in my honest opinion, there's no reason to play through this game twice. No. Yeah. It's not like later yeah. Resident Evil games there's where there's a big story, like, difference. Actual story differences, yeah. Um... So if they would have just explained, like, Jill is slower, has less health... But can pick locks a little and more intelligent. has more inventory space and more intelligent she or whatever. Play, yeah, if they had the said piano. that, then I probably would have picked Jill to play through. And if I wasn't playing it for the podcast, probably would have only picked Jill to play as. Yeah, yeah. Because just fuck Chris, Yeah, dude. Chris is not fun. I feel like some like hardcore Resident Evil fans might not enjoy us saying that, but... Yeah, he's just yeah, he's whatever. just not fun, especially yeah. Unless you're like a diehard fan and you really want to get all the extra little tidbits of information, it's yeah, it's just not worth it. Jill's Jill's the way to go. Nah, I mean, if you enjoy the game and you want to just play through it again for the fun factor, playing through the game, like we both said, playing through the game a second time is a lot more fun. 
So that's fair. There's just don't feel like you need to to understand the whole game, the whole the story of the first L- game, like we did for this. Podcast. Especially because, yeah, especially because playing through the whole thing isn't canon with both characters. Playing through the whole thing with one ca- character isn't canon. It's a weird mix of the two characters, slightly different stories. Yeah, I feel like Resident Evil. Uh... I don't think they expected to turn it into a franchise, hence the remake and adding no, in more stuff. Because, But it's weird because they kept that going with Resident Evil 2. We haven't beat it yet, but from what I've read, the canon for Resident Evil 2 doesn't line up with how you play the two stories at all. Yeah, they mention... Because you can play the two stories in different orders, but regardless of what order you play it in, there's no way to actually make the canon version of events of 2 while playing. Two. Yeah, from my understanding... I know, I know they at least mention, if you play Claire A, Leon B, they mention something that happens in that storyline. But I, I recall they also mention if you play Leon A, Claire B. So <clears throat> There's other things, yeah. So it just it doesn't make and then, sense. The canon for this entire series is just... Yeah, <laughs> and then recently I saw an article that they said um, the remake, like Resident Evil 2 remake is canon now. Right yeah, on. The, yeah, but again, but from what I've read, that even the remake, though, still has the same problem where some things from Claire A. Leon B. is the official canon, but other things from Leon A. Claire B. is the official canon. Yeah. So from what I've read, at least, again, we haven't actually played them. From what I've read, there is still no way to play through the official events of that time. You just have to kind of guess what happened or go on, like, lore sites and whatnot and look into it or watch videos, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just kind of, weird. <laughs> but um, is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Is there any uh anything else you want to add? Anything? I think that was pretty much it for me. Like, um, all in all, you know, pretty decent game. Definitely has its flaws, but I enjoyed my second playthrough, and the first playthrough was passable. Um, like if we were to do like a out of five system type deal. I would say my first playthrough was like a two and a half, you know, just average at best. But my second playthrough, I'd actually give like a three and a half or something like that. Maybe even a four because it was it was enjoyable. The only I would have enjoyed it more, I feel like, if I hadn't just played through the game once (laughs) directly before that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know what I'd rate it. Probably. I'd rate it probably a four out of five. I, I can respect I can respect the game. It's a four out of five when I don't, when I don't um, compare it to like modern day standards. Other games, it's yeah. it's all in all. I would probably give it a three out of five. Everything, all, all things considered, just slightly better than average. Yeah, um, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if this was my second playthrough and I played it a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and Definitely. if I didn't mm-hmm. play it back-to-back for 20, 23-ish hours, 22 hours. Um, That really took a lot. (laughs) It took a lot of the fun out of it, and I kind of (laughs) wish... But, I mean, we got got the experience of both both characters. You get to see both sides. You get to see the hardships that is playing as Chris um, and regretting that. Yeah. Especially (laughs) you, because that was your first playthrough. Um, First one, which that's how they present the game, though. They present Chris as the first option. That's why I did it. Because Chris is the first yeah. option, Jill's and the second option. And they do that with option, Resident so Evil 2, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to assume, but um, 
I I think that's just sexist 1990s marketing, honestly. <laughs> quite possibly. Um, quite possibly. Because yeah, because uh, I feel like yeah, Jill's definitely. If they just made the game with Jill, I would have been perfectly fine. But uh, Resident Evil Two wouldn't have happened with that storyline. So unless Jill had a right, sister, I right. guess coming to look for. Her. Um. So yeah. All <laughs> in all, pretty good game. Um. Aged, not great. Uh, but it defined... Maybe they'll give it the remake treatment. Oh, one more thing to mention, though. Anybody who does want to play this game now, we played it on the GameCube, but there is a modern-day remaster, um, the HD remake, on the Nintendo Switch. I believe it's on, like, the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC as well, although I'm not positive. Regardless, though, they did add one more thing. We didn't touch on it, but this game has tank controls, so... Unlike a, a modern day game where you just press your joystick in a, a direction and that's the direction you move, you have to wait for your character to turn and then press forward to move. If you press back on the joystick or on the D-pad, they just pace backwards, like walk backwards. The modern day remake um, actually does have an option for modern day controls, which in my opinion would probably take away from the game in some ways, but would definitely make it easier for modern day games. Yeah, so. I mean... Just if anybody wants to play it, that's probably the version to pick. Yeah, I mean, especially because it's in HD and whatnot. But I, I didn't mind the yeah. tank controls. It takes a little while getting used to them, especially because... Yeah, after the first hour or two, it's just second yeah. nature, in my opinion. Um, but, but it does... And it does add to the tension of the game a little bit, because you're, like, you're trying to run away from a zombie or whatever, and you have to wait for your character to turn around. Yeah, which in the so... original, they didn't have 180-degree turning. It was you had to slowly yeah. turn around. Thankfully, the, yeah. <laughs> in the GameCube remake, they, they do have the... You can just turn quickly. Flick the stick and... Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't mind that. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the version to go with, is the, the newer updated version. The GameCube version wasn't bad, though. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe they will give it the remake treatment, especially seeing how 2 did. Uh, 3 didn't do as well. It didn't get as good of reviews, but it probably sold fairly well. So Yeah, we'll figure out eventually whether it deserved... Uh, the more negative reviews and whatnot, or better reviews, or whatever. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, our next game is going to be Resident Evil Two, which we both have already started playing. I'm about halfway through. I think Christian, you just barely skimmed the top. Yeah. I'm. I'm yeah. Not that far into. Um. It. So yeah, we're gonna do this thing bi-weekly for now. See how that goes. So you'll see this two weeks from now on Monday. Um. Or not this, but the the. Resident Evil 2 podcast will come out two weeks from now. Um, so where can we find you on the social medias, Christian? Me? I have a YouTube channel and a Twitch that I pretty much never use. Uh, it's Stream All the Steam. Just uh, just look me up or use, I imagine you'll have links. I do, I do have links. It's on the, it's on the about page. So, but... so there we go. Yeah, I just, wanted, just look me up on the links verbal. or search for Stream the Steam, Stream All the Steam. You also have a Twitter, don't you? Whatever. I don't... I don't yeah, I do have a Twitter as well. Again, I'm never on any of them. I do plan on putting more things on them once I get some time. Problem's just time, you know? But, yeah, if you want to check out me actually playing games and shit, that's where to do it at. And you can find me on uh, Gaming Cog Austin on Twitter. And I'm also going to launch the Gaming Cog uh, YouTube channel. Um, I'm still debating what to do with it. I'm thinking some more... Uh, semi-produced stuff. I was trying to dabble in some Let's Play stuff in the past, but I think I'm going to start with uh, some Easter egg videos, which I've always enjoyed. Uh, diving through different video games as Easter eggs and hidden stuff. 
and seeing how I'm sitting through and finishing a bunch of these games, it won't be hard to record it and cut it up, so, um, so yeah, I might do a Resident Evil 2 one to launch it, um, and as an easier video to produce, uh, I was actually, when I was playing through Resident Evil 1, I was just chilling out, it was late at night, and I was just walking, and I was like, well, this game has, like, really nice, like, ambient, relaxing, like, noises with the footsteps, and, uh, I watch a lot of ASMR to fall asleep to, so, I, uh, I found that very relaxing, and I might, I might do a little cut-up of that, so there's no, like, scary jump scares and gunshots going off. A little, a little ambient noises to, uh, to study to, as they say on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's that's my two projects I plan on doing with the YouTube channel. Um, there might be some more later, or I might go back and do something else. But but yeah, so two weeks from now, we will see you for Resident Evil 2. Bye-bye, y'all.